you can read whatever version you want, but the Passion Translation is up here on the screen. And uh, again, God's goal for us is not a partial revelation, but progressive revelation that actually ends up in full revelation, all right? So let's read it together. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. Does anybody like secrets? <laughs> like when somebody tells you a secret? Like I love that. Somebody comes up, I got a secret for you. Isn't that little thing inside of you kind of go, ooh, what is it? Especially like as we're coming up on Christmas. I love all the, the secrecy and the, the, all the, the intrigue and the drama at my house because this kid will tell me what he's buying for this other kid and then I've got to keep this secret from this one or Jody or whatever. And there's just this, this thing. And it's interesting because God says there's actually been secrets with mankind. As we've been looking at these names, you know, obviously God's been revealing more and more and more. But here in Ephesians, he says, and through the revelation of the anointed one. Who's the anointed one? Jesus Christ. He says, through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Can we say that together? From the very beginning of time. And this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Can we say that together? Through Jesus Christ. You see, what he's saying is that God has a plan. Anybody, anybody glad that God has a plan? You know, that he knows what he's doing? And again, we've been talking about all these different names, and we're going to go back and look a little bit at Elohim this morning and when God created the, the earth. How many of you know that just because Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't throw God, you know, into a, into a world? It didn't confuse God, right? You think he probably had a good idea that man wasn't going to follow through on the whole thing. And he has a plan, a plan of redemption. And we took communion this morning, really, to celebrate that plan, right? The plan of Jesus. And it's interesting. He says, from the dawn of time, from the beginning of time, all the way through to the end of time and the fulfillment of the whole thing in Jesus Christ. It really gives you the idea that we're on this journey, doesn't it? This, this, this idea that, that we are moving more and more into more knowledge and more understanding and more revelation. You know, if your devotional life is boring, as the kids would say, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right? If, you're, if your prayer life is lame and it's just kind of nothing, you're, you're doing it wrong. And I say that in all love and all desire for you to not be lame <laughs> and not to do it wrong, but to move into the revelation. Because this verse says that when Jesus come on, psst, he wants to tell you some secrets. <laughs> he wants to whisper in your ear. He wants to tell you things. He wants to draw you and I to deeper places and more full places, right? And I don't know about you, but I don't, <laughs> again, I mentioned this last week, the older I get, the, the less I know. You know what I'm talking about? The older I get, see, when I was, okay, this is funny. This week, many of you know my dad has a 68 Camaro, okay, a red. I expect it's parked out front. You can look at it and ooh and ah on the way out. The thing is beautiful, and I love it. So every once in a while, when there's something in our family, uh, I'll borrow the Camaro, right? And so I say, uh, my daughter wanted to go to homecoming this week. So I said, okay, honey, I'll, 
she said, Dad, can you take me in the Camaro? Sure, I'll drive you. That'll be great. So I got it all washed and I got it all thing. But I'm sitting there driving this Camaro. And how many of you know that, okay, the Camaro's been in my family since I was before my driver's license. So when I was a kid, when I was 16, I had this really junky car that somebody gave us. If I say the words Dodge Colt Wagon, does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and it was like, you know, the fake wood paneling on the side that was a sticker, but it was actually peeling off, and it was held together by rust, had a hole in the floorboards, and I had to change the tires once a week, okay? <laughs> the flat tires once a week, right? So on the weekdays, I would drive that, but on the weekends, my dad said, all right, if you'll drive that piece of junk to school every day, on the weekends, I'll let you drive the Chevy. So I would drive the, the Dodge Colt wagon to school on Friday morning, and when Friday night came along, bam, I went from, from lack to greatness, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm just driving it, and the thing was hot, and it was fast, and all that stuff. And I remember when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, I'm driving this Camaro on the weekends, I'm just doing this. How many of you know I, yesterday I had a flashback? right? I did. I had a flashback. Not only that, but I dropped her off at the high school, right? And I'm thinking, whoa. Okay, now I'm not saying I'm old or anything, but high school was a few years ago. I'm just saying. But I remember I'm driving the Chevy, and I, I started to get this flashback to this earlier time in my life. How many of you knew were 16, you thought you knew everything, right? And when you got to be 17, you were even smarter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 18, I mean, all bets are off. My dad was an idiot. You know, I knew more than everybody. I was driving a Chevy. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. And I look back on those days, and I was in the car yesterday, and I was thinking, so I'm driving, I'm going, wow, how much did I not know when I was 16, 17, and 18? And how much more, really, has my journey changed now that I'm 52? And I'm back in the Camaro, and I'm driving this thing, and, I, and I've really felt the Spirit of God telling me, listen. There's so much more I have for you. Like, I know that there are times in our lives where we think we got it all together and we think we know everything about God and all that. And God is simply crying to us, saying, listen, don't get stuck on 16 or 17 or 18. I really want you to grow. I really want you to come to deeper places of revelation, deeper places of understanding, right? And even at 52, like I said, I think, like, I am less confident in knowing so much now than I've ever been. You, you want to know why? Because I'm hungry. Because I'm hungry for more of God. I'm hungry and I'm getting a greater sense as I step back from the thing and stop trying to control everything and know everything, stepping back and saying, God, you're really big. And how much I've experienced you is just a tip of what you actually want to do in my life. I remember when I was younger, you know, I think the Holy Spirit is so awesome. And there are times I think I might not talk about this enough, but speaking in tongues is the bomb. It is so amazing. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit and with speaking in other tongues, then I would really encourage you to pursue that. The Bible says that he will not hold back from giving you this gift. And he will not, you know, like if, if someone, if Jesus said, if somebody asks for bread, do I give him a stone? Right? No, he says, listen. I'm going to give you the good things because I'm a good father. And the Holy Spirit really wants to fill us. He wants to. And he wants to, he, speaking in tongues and, and letting that heavenly language just pour out of us does something. How many of you would, that, that speak in tongues would agree with that, right? It's, there's, a, there's something that happens, right? 
But I remember, again, going down memory lane a little bit, when I was 16, 17, 18, even younger than that, 13 and 14, when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I remember there were times at different camps and different spiritual places we would go. I vividly remember this. I remember lifting my hands up in the air, worshiping, and just tongues just pouring out of me and worshiping with such fervor and such passion for God. And I remember that I would have both hands up in the air, and I know some of you have experienced this. You, you're worshiping, and you so want more, 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 and God just begins to give you more, give you more. And I remember as I'm worshiping, and it would, the time you know, would start to go on, it would be an hour or two hours, and the, you know, the musicians would be playing, and the spirit is moving. And I remember that my hands were in the air, and they would start to get tired. And you know what my prayer was? My prayer is not only God fill me more, but God strengthen my arms so I don't have to put them down. Like I would actually pray, God strengthen my arms so I can keep them up. I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forward. I want more of you. And I look at a verse like this in, in Ephesians where God says, listen, there's, a, there's been a, a plan from the very beginning of time. The hidden mysteries of this long-range plan and now I love this word revelation. He says the revelation of the anointed one. Like God is bringing us, I think as a people, but even as a church here, that God is bringing us, he wants to bring us into greater and greater revelation of who he is through his son Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to verse 11 here. It says this. It says, this is why God, this is why God selected, let's get to the right verse here. This is why God selected and ordained us to be his own inheritance through our union with Christ. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan inside. Do you know that you and I have a destiny? <laughs> this is one of the things I think that so many people in the body of Christ, when you think like an orphan, when you believe the lies that you're not special and you're not that important and other people are more important than you, when you believe those lies, you will never believe you have a destiny. In fact, if you do believe in a destiny, your destiny will be in the gutter. You'll believe you're no better than, oh, this, you know, in the garden eating worms, as we say, right? And I want to tell you today, God has a destiny to plan for each and every one of us. And it involves growing. It involves moving ahead. It involves moving into the inheritance and the union with Christ like we've never known before. And so in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, verse 17. Get to the right verse here. Ephesians 1, 17 says, and Paul is writing to the church and he says, that he's praying for them. In fact, he says, I am never ceasing to pray for you. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody say revelation. And revelation in the true knowledge of him. You know what that verse says to us? That God is continually saying to each and every one of us that there's more. 
And the prayer that we should have for ourselves, and Paul is praying for the church, that they would come into a revelation of the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, the true knowledge of God. And so, Lord, as we spend a few moments this morning in your word, I ask, oh, God, that you would quicken our hearts. Lord, that you would allow us not to be stuck at 16 or 17 or 18 in our understanding of you. But, God, you would begin to progress us and move us forward in revelation upon revelation upon revelation. Lord, that as we leave this place today, we would have a deeper and more intimate sense of who you are and who we are in you than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things we're going to do over the next few weeks, and we have all these different names of God. But one of the things we find in the New Testament is that Jesus is the fulfillment of every single one of these Old Testament names we find fulfilled in Jesus in the New Testament. We're going to take this journey a little bit. It's going, to be, it's going to be pretty awesome. But just to go back by way of review, the first name of God that is revealed in the Bible is Elohim. Everybody say Elohim. Elohim is the creator God, the mighty God, the strong God. So I want you to go to Genesis, if you would. Genesis chapter 1, and of course we don't have time to read the whole thing, but we'll uh, read through some of this. When's the last time you read the creation story? Have you gone back and read Genesis 1 in a while? I'd encourage you to do so. Man, talk about progressive revelation. Every time I read it, something else jumps out at me. And There's a couple things this morning I feel like God wants to highlight So Genesis chapter 1, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says this, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, everybody say, Elohim, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void or a waste and emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth. (laughs) You know, just stop there for a second. One of the things that strikes me as so amazing in our world over the last 50 years, I guess, is the idea of evolution. You know, I, I, I was born a Christian. I mean, I was born a Christian. Well, pretty much was. My parents were Christians as long as I can remember. I was raised in Christianity. And so I was raised with the creation story. But when, when I got to high school... How many of you know that you began to hear some of these other ideas about how the earth was formed and created? And so I'll never forget, I was uh, actually in Spain at the time. I was in, uh, I was in 10th grade, actually. And biology class, and I, I think I mentioned this to some of you before, but I had a biology teacher that I swear to you looked like Colonel Sanders, right? I swear to you he looked exact. I thought he was you know, I thought he was going to bring chicken every day to class because I'm telling you, it was, the guy looked exactly like Colonel Sanders. And he got up there, and this guy was, was a deep evolutionist. Like, he believed in evolution, and there was no God, and there was no creation. And if you believe in that, you're a simpleton, and you, you're an idiot, basically. And I'll never forget there because, again, at this time, I'm fif- I think I was 15 years old at the time, and I remember standing in class and, of course, being raised with the creation story that God formed the earth, the heavens, out of nothing. And so we sat in class one day, and he started going on about the Big Bang, right? And this is so funny because my kids are now being exposed to evolution. 
And it's funny because my kids are asking their teachers the same question I asked my teacher, Colonel Sanders, way back in the day. And it was this. He would say, well, these two uh, things came together to form Earth. And what was my question? Where did those things come from? And he'd say, well, it was out in the galaxies, and there was this going on, and this, you know, whatever. And I said, great. Where did that come from? And he'd say, well, those things were from a thing. And, he, and he'd go back, and I'd say, great. Where did that come from? And how many of you know I could be a little annoying at times if I keep asking that same question? <laughs> oh, Colonel Sanders, man, I thought he was going to kill a chicken right there in the biology class. I kept saying, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Where did that come from? And he couldn't, of course, he couldn't give me an answer. Why? Because there is no answer. Nothing ever in the recorded history of mankind ever materialized something out of nothing. How many of you know it takes more faith to believe that something just spontaneously erupted into something from nothing than it is for a God to speak it into existence by his own will, right? And it's interesting because this verse, when it says that God commands, right, right? And, and uh, I love this, the, the Spirit of God is hovering, moving, and it says hovering or brooding over the face of the waters. Of this mass of, of actually, it, it's raw material, really, what he made. He didn't form it into specific things yet. He just said, boom, here it is. If you, I mean, read it again. It, it kind of just makes something from nothing, right? That word created, actually in the Hebrew, it, it uses a, a, a mood, if you will. It uses a, a certain way of speaking that isn't found in English. It's not found in English. When that Hebrew word created is used there, it has to do with, uh, it's not the imperative mood, it's called the, uh, the, the, the Jessive form, and it literally means this, that he didn't just speak it into existence, it actually says he willed it into existence, <laughs> right? That, like there's a difference, in, in English we don't even have a variation on this, but it's not just some words he spoke, he literally willed it from himself into existence. And here's what also it points out, that it wasn't, he wasn't working with some material that was with him for all of creation. In other words, the Bible teaches that God always has been, right? He always is and he always will be. So it's not some material organic matter that's always been with God from the beginning. No, at some point in history, God says, I am and now, out of me, I'm going to will this creation into being, right? Elohim. He willed it into creation, and he just speaks it, and the words begin to form, right? So, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And again, it's not just words that he commands. He actually just, from his being, from his essence, he wills it into existence, right? And he sees the light, and he says, it was good, and he affirmed and sustained it. And God separated the light, distinguishing it, from the darkness. In verse 5, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Day 2, verse 6, And God said, Let there be an expanse of the sky in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters below from the waters above. I don't know if you knew this, but when God first created the earth, you know, we have waters below but there's actually was levels of water. Like there was water in the sky, and then there's waters below. 
And then, if you read the Noah story, there's actually waters way below, right? Because when, when the flood comes, the waters come up out of the ground, and they come up out of the sky. And God is actually working with this water at the very beginning, but he begins to bring form to it, right? It's not just a mass of, of all this raw material. He says, no, let's, let's separate this. And I command there to be waters above and waters below, and I command there to be sky in between, right? And there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, standing or pooling together, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that this was good, pleasing and useful, and he affirmed and sustained it. Man, you know, I don't know if Hollywood could do it justice. But wouldn't it have been awesome to be standing there watching all this take place? You know, again, we're not even created yet, so, I mean, it's you know, kind of moving back in history. But just to see the, the raw power of the will of God to create something out of nothing and then to take that raw material, all that that formless void thing and begin to shape it and move it and that waters you go up and these other waters you go down and then the waters that are on the earth we're going to put you into oceans and seas and I'm going to drag some land up out of the ground and you're going to be Africa I'm going to drag this up and you're going to be North America and I'm going to you know like he's literally orchestrating by his will creating something from nothing and then forming it into useful productive things I don't know, man, but here's the thing. We've said this time and time again. You either believe the Bible or you don't. There's no middle ground. You either believe in Jesus and God and all the way back to Elohim, or you might as well just forget the whole thing and go find something else to do because it's an all-or-nothing proposition. And so my, my thought to us this morning is this. God is this powerful. He is this creative. In this day uh, three here, he goes on and he begins to form the, the vegetation and the plants begin to yield. And again, it's according to, it says, and limited to, consistent with their kind. In other words, God makes an apple tree an apple tree. He makes coconuts and bananas and dandelions. That must have come with the Satan thing, right? The, the weeds, that must have come later. <laughs> okay, only the good stuff at this point. But again, it's almost like he's just orchestrating, bringing things up. And again, I just think it would be so awesome to watch Elohim in action. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Say, God, you are, <laughs> you're just making, you're just you're just showing off now, really. I mean, doesn't it look like it? Like he's now not only all this formless void and earth and oceans, but he says, listen, let's put a bunch of plants on it. Bam, 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 bam. Let's create some stuff over here. Bam, bam, bam. Wait, we got stuff in Europe? I'm going to only put stuff in Europe that I'm not putting in Africa. <laughs> I'm going to put stuff over here that I'm not putting over here. And we're going to make this unique and creative and amazing. Day 4, 14. Then God said, let there be light bearers. Sun, moon, stars in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be useful for signs, tokens of God's provident care and for marking seasons, days, and years. <laughs> you thought the plants and the oceans and all that was good. 
Now he pulls out the big guns and goes, boom, <laughs> galaxies, boom, universe, boom, sun, boom, moon. I mean, just literally out of his very will, commanding these things to pop into being that weren't there before. Do you realize there wasn't a sun before? This, I mean, the immensity of the sun is overwhelming, right? If you've done any study on this, the, the immensity, it's a flaming gas ball in outer space that if it was off one inch, all of the planets around it would burst into nothingness. But God says, listen, I'm not only going to create it, I'm going to create all the, pl- the, the, the planets surrounding it and looping it. They're going to be in perfect order, perfect unison, going on for all of time. And what does he do? He just went, boom, sun. Oh, yeah, we need something at night too. Boom, moon. <laughs> and he put them in perfect orchestration. He willed it. Creator God, Elohim. Again, we don't have time for all of this this morning, but he gets down to verse 14, and there was evening and there was morning. And verse 18 before that, he said it was good. Everybody say, it's good. <laughs> it's good, right? Verse 20, day 5. This is where it starts cooking. Day 20, then God said, let the water swarm and abundantly produce living creatures. And let birds soar above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed according to their kind. Everybody say, according to their kind. And I want you to just focus on that phrase just for a little bit. We're going to bump into it several times here. According to their kind. And every winged, cre- every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and he affirmed and sustained it. Hey, uh, Jaden, will you stay with me on this? I want these slides up here. Okay, buddy. And he affirmed that it was good. And, and uh, verse 22, and God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning and fifth day. You know, isn't it fun? You think God was really getting, having some fun. I almost get the feeling like this is fun for God. Like he likes creating things. So now all of a sudden we have plants and we got all the vegetation. And then now he's, he's <laughs> I think the ocean would have been the funnest. Like literally like God going, okay, whales, <laughs> you know, like, you know, the blue whale and then dolphins and they started splashing all around, right? And he says, according to their kind. Can we go back and touch on this evolution thing just one more time? I'm not preaching on that today, but I need you to know something. How many of you know this Bible, even the one that we read, even if people don't really believe it, it was written way before evolution ever came into being? Right? I mean, when did evolution come? About the 50s, right? That was the, but the, the teacher was maybe before that, but it really started gaining some traction in the 50s. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Bible's a little bit older than that. And here's the thing about evolution that probably doesn't get told a lot. There is not one recorded instance in all of human history, in all of human science, there is not one recorded history of an animal jumping into something other than its kind. In other words, if it's a dog, it's a dog. It may, you know, move and become a, a greyhound or a golden retriever or a, you know, a sample dog or whatever, you know. But it's still a dog, right? It doesn't go, cat, you know. A frog doesn't go, 
lizard, you know, like it doesn't. And I think it's really interesting that God, how many of you think God knew evolution was coming up the pike? (laughs) He he knows it all. And from the very beginning, he puts right in the creation story, the Elohim story, he says, listen, it's of its kind. He made it of its kind. Donkeys, you know, even when they tried to make something with a donkey and and a horse, what do you end up with? A mule which can't reproduce, <laughs> right? So even the, the best attempts at trying to get it to jump into one thing. Now, if a mule was begetting a mule and you were ending up with a whole new species, well, that'd be different. But it doesn't happen. There is no jump. There's no th- Everything stays in its kind. And it was almost as if God was saying right from the very beginning, look, I'm going to give you some tools for this. I'm going to give you some ammunition for this evolution thing coming up the pike. It's of its kind. Man, verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to, limited to and consistent with, say it with me, their kind, livestock, crawling things, and wild animals of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so because he had spoken them into creation, Elohim. So God made the wild animals of the earth according to their kind and the cattle, and and, and we won't read all this. It goes on and on. And then God gets to the the, the, the piece de resistance, which is us. He creates mankind. Like he's done all this orchestrating and all this creating and stars and moons and heavens and everything. And he finally gets to verse 27 or verse 26. And God says, let us, can you say it with me? Us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I think it's very important for us, as we talk about these names of God and the progression of God, is right there in the creation story, Before anybody even knows it, God takes Elohim, the creator, and he ties it to Jesus. Did you catch it? He said, let us make man in our image, Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He takes this and like a a line or a vein all the way from the beginning of time all the way up thousands of years later to when Jesus would show up on the earth. Because now, jump to the New Testament, and we see Jesus with more revelation, and we see that tie from the very first dawn of time all the way now to the beginning of the New Testament. In John 1, 1 through 3, familiar passage for many people. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, Jesus is the Word. Okay, that's what... That's what it's teaching. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. (laughs) Listen to this. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. As it goes on to talk about in the book of John, Jesus is the Word. He is the Word of God. He is the as the Passion Translation would call it, he is the, the living expression of God. And Jesus would later go on to say what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
right? So when we look at Jesus, we actually get a glimpse of all the names of God up to that point. When we see Jesus, we actually see Elohim. Why? And how do we get that? How do we understand that? Well, just look at his life. Jesus, when he is uh, first, he doesn't even want to get into the ministry yet. He's at a wedding, and his mom says, listen, we're short on wine, and things are going to get weird around here if we don't have some wine. So the mom says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus is like, hey, I don't really want to do this. She says, yeah, yeah, listen, do whatever he says. So what does he do? He takes some raw material, water and buckets, Big old, big old containers, almost like Elohim, right? He created this, put raw material there, and then he began to form it and create it and move it into something else. What does he do? He takes the raw material of the water and the big jugs, and he says, boom, not water anymore. Now it's wine. And it's not just wine. It's the best wine. So much so that the people at the wedding are like, whoa, this is some good stuff right here, man. <laughs> this is usually, you know, for a different time in the wedding, but you brought it out now after everybody's already had a few, right? He takes nothing and creates it into something. What is that? That's Jesus, Elohim, doing his thing right from the beginning. And what does he also do? You know, we, we could go on a long time. We're running out of time. But the, what does he do? They get a day, and there's a whole bunch of people, and there's thousands of them. And they don't have any food, and everybody's hungry. He says, what do we got? Guy says, well, we got thousands and thousands of people. We got like a whole stadium full of people. And we got two fish, five loaves. All right, sweet. I got the raw material to make a feast. And what does he do? Boom. All of a sudden, everybody gets fed. Everybody gets bread. Everybody gets fish. And then there's baskets and baskets and baskets left over. What is that? He created something out of nothing. Jesus is Elohim. And then he goes on, of course, you know, all the miracles of of Jesus. Eyes that couldn't see, now can see. People that were, were crippled from birth, they're walking. What is he doing? He's creating something new out of something that wasn't there before. Jesus is Elohim. John 17, 6, we looked at this verse last week. It says, when Jesus is praying... To the Father, as he's getting ready to be done on earth, he's praying to the Father, and he's actually letting the disciples hear him pray. And he says this to his Father. He says, I have revealed you. And again, the Greek for you there is your name. It's actually your name. I have revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. Jesus says, listen, I am the Elohim, and I showed him Elohim. Water from, uh, wine from water and bread and fish from nothing and, and, and resurrection power and blind eyes and all of those things. So as we close, I want to just ask this question. Why is that important? I mean, it's a good, it's a good lesson, Pastor Steve. Thank you. You've done a great job. But, <laughs> you know, we've looked at creation. We've looked at the power. But why is that important to us today? Why is it important that we know that Jesus is Elohim, that he is the power of creation? You want to know why? Because there is still a need for his creative power in our world today. I still believe that Jesus wants to bring that same power to bear, 
not just showing off at the beginning of time, right? Not just having some fun when he's walking this earth. But what does the Bible say? That because we have accepted Christ, where is Christ? In me. Christ is in me. Do you get it? Elohim, that creative power, the creative power that did all those things we talked about and, and, and more is actually inside of me. And he's inside of you. So then we ask this question. God, what creatively do you want to do in my life and in my world this week? I was just thinking, Ed here is in the process of transition in his life, right? And I was thinking, like, he's moving into a new season. So he's, you know, he's, uh, he, he needs the creative Elohim God, don't you? Like, there's a, there's a season that he's moving into that he needs not Ed's thoughts, but God's thoughts, right? How many of you are in a situation, some of you are on a, on a job at work. Have you ever run into a problem at work that you just can't put your brain around? I'm actually looking at the Abbott and Abvi employees in particular right now because every time I talk to you guys, it's like, oh, there's this project, you know, there's this huge thing, right? And, and others, you know, we get into a place and we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's as if God is over here saying, listen, I'm Elohim. Jesus is inside of me. Elohim is inside of me. And it's as if God is saying, listen, turn me loose. Turn me loose. I love, you know, Mike tells these testimonies sometimes where he's driving up to a job and he's, he's a heating air conditioning guy and he doesn't, you know, he'll drive up and he'll say, God, what's the problem? Before he knows what the problem is, he says, God, what's the answer to the problem that I'm about to hear from these people? And he'll drive up, right? He'll just tell them and he gets up and he goes in there. Go ahead. You know, that, you know what that is? That's Elohim. <laughs> That's the creative God. He wants to bring his creativity to our lives. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of an area of your life that you need that creative and overwhelming power of God to do something in your life. Maybe you've got a problem that you don't understand. Maybe there's a situation in your life that you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm pretty sure the God that was zapping moons and stars and everything and, you know, and plants and animals and all that stuff, I think he's big enough to handle whatever problem we have. Would you say amen? Right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hand. And if you've got a situation that you need Elohim to come, I just want you to begin to say his name. Jesus, Elohim. Jesus is Elohim. So, Lord, right now, as we declare your name, as we declare, Lord, that you weren't just a creative God of the past, you're actually the creative God of Jesus and what we read in the New Testament. And because he lives in us, Elohim resides in us as well. And so, Lord, right now, I just release Elohim and your creative thoughts, your insight, Lord, we're just believing right now. I, in my mind's eye, I see uh, situations at various jobs, and it's, it's, uh, 
It's like the cartoon where the light goes off above someone's head, right? That ding, the little light goes off. Like there's going to be thoughts that come to your mind this week that you are not in your human flesh going to know where they came from, but it's God reminding you, I'm Elohim. And I'm bringing my creative power to bear inside of you because Jesus Christ lives inside of you. Hallelujah. Some of you are going to need creativity when it comes to parenting this week. There are some of you even listening to the sound of my voice on the podcast and, and the video Lord, that, that are in situations where you just don't know what to do. Cry out to Jesus, Elohim, and he's going to give you creative thoughts. It's not going to be thoughts that other parents are do. It's not going to be thoughts maybe that you've read or heard anywhere else. It's going to be unique and powerful and creative to your situation of your kind. <laughs> it's going to be unique to you. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And so, Lord, we just release Elohim and your creativity to every area, whether it's uh, uh, a car breaking down this week when we're going to need to know what to do, you're going to be there. You're going to give us thoughts. Lord, if it's our children and our families, you're going to give us thoughts. If it's on the job or with the neighbors or, or things that, that uh, are broken in our lives, God, you're going to be creativity. And Jehovah, Jesus, Elohim, is going to reside and to show us things we did not know. Hmm. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. All God's people said... Amen. Now, you get to go with Elohim everywhere you go this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go with God. Bless you in Jesus' name.